0: Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions, and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics, they talk, we listen.
1: Can you imagine getting into a business or a market where you actually spend a 100 billion plus on a piece of paper? Are you kidding me? It was like a frying pan of the head. I got nothing against
2: CFOs. It was not just the job of a lifetime, it was the job of a thousand lifetimes.
0: In the next few weeks over this period i would like to introduce new followers to some of the past guests of his talk and in parallel some of the great conversations i've had with c-suites of multinationals about the topics of the day in their area of business i do hope you enjoy this look back series and I have enjoyed sharing the first set of look-back episodes late last year and very early this year. Um, There will be two guests in each episode and they will be introduced accordingly. This episode and the guests on this episode needs very little introduction, which I did say at the time. Um, This is uh, an episode recording with Sherry Blair, CBE, otherwise known as Sherry Booth Casey, um, among many things, she's the former first lady, um, the Prime Minister, Tony Blair. She is a formidable um, human rights lawyer, and you know she runs a charity, Cherry Blair Foundation for Women. We talked quite a bit about that in this episode, but we also talked about the political climate at the time. You no, know, This episode was recorded during, I think it was the second lockdown, during the second lockdown, and she talked about how she was managing and coping with that lockdown, and and the implications of such a lockdown on various people, especially um, women in um, poorer backgrounds. Have a listen. Has something been permanently changed or damaged? This question is a three-part question and I'd like your insights into this. Um, What do you think are the ramifications of lockdown on A, a social level? You know, will we enter a new era of socializing? Will we be different social animals on the other side of this? And B, an economic level? Fall in GDP, lost jobs, struggling businesses, revenue streams lost overnight, the particular impact on the cultural and tourism sector of any country. And see the political and legal level. For instance, the curbing of civil rights of individuals to protest. This could be misused by governments. So there's a lot there. What are your thoughts on this, Sherry?
2: Well, I mean, you're right mentioning Switzerland. Because it was the other thing I would normally be doing, and I did do last year, was go to Davos. Yes, of course. Well, last year we launched our hundred thousand women campaign, which I'll talk about later. Yes. Um, so, um, but on a social level, yes, we're all able. I mean, it, it's a strange thing. I've been able to continue working, mm-hmm. uh, keeping in touch with my family members that I can't see mm-hmm. using technology. Yes. Um, and it, it's, in one, many ways, um, things can go on as normal, and yet it's not quite the same, is it, yeah. as meeting face to face. Um, but you know, I think the, the 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 bigger impact, of course, is not on fortunate people like you and I, mm-hmm. uh, who have access to good internet, um, who are able to carry on working. Um, there's a there's a wider social impact, I think which has a particular bad effect on women. Mm-hmm. One is firstly that um, we've seen, and I'm sure you have in Switzerland too, mm-hmm. that women are bearing the burden of the caring roles during um, yes. Yes. the pandemic. Indeed. Um, and this has resulted in many women actually finding that the stress of Working and you know homeschooling, uh, making sure elderly parents were all right, you know, has led to some women actually leaving the workforce.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, it's also let, led to a to a cut in uh, part time jobs, which also impacts on women. And and uh, so I think that you know that's a that's a big impact on women. I think the the other. Impact social impact is I slightly worried about young people today, and <laughs> we. I'm funny enough. We were just talking uh, today about how after a bit on the internet, you know, I, I kind of get sort of brain dead. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Don't but when you look at young 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 younger people today, seem to be perfectly happy to spend hours and hours and hours, and you. I know we should be grateful that we've got the internet, but I think we also have to be careful that we're not creating a generation of young people who live in a in a parallel universe and actually mm-hmm. don't meet people face to face. So I think there's great, there are great social benefits. Of course there are, um, in the fact that you can still communicate with people, even if you're not in the same room with them. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, there are also dangers I think in the kind of relationships that can develop yes. over the internet. So we do have to be careful on an economic level. Of course, I've touched a little bit on on that already when I've talked about the disproportionate impact on women mm-hmm. in the sense of um, the caring responsibilities that they they have. <laughs> um, Found. I mean, I know myself. It's um, I would say my husband has helped a bit with housework, and I know uh, he's been teased a bit about that as well. And mm-hmm. I, when I said that uh, he feels his greatest achievement has been making an omelette, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, you know, uh, the the reality is, the more mundane things, the day to day things, uh, they still fall on on the females in the house. It does to do. Uh, it doesn't doesn't do. do. Um, and I think in relation to the economy more generally, this is a dangerous position we're in. Because, you know, already in the world, um, last year, the World Economic Forum, before I went last year to Davos, you know, they always have this global gender gap report. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they meant measure in that is women's economic engagement. Mm-hmm. And uh, last year, that's before the pandemic, they sounded a warning that actually this was deteriorating so that the parity between men and women in economic engagement um, had actually worsened between 2019 and 2020. So they were saying it would take 257 years as opposed to 212 the year before for men and women to reach equal opportunity in that basis. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure um, that uh, the next report will show the impact of COVID would have made those figures
0: oh dear. Yes, of worse again.
2: So on uh, an economic level, I do think women have had a quite a disproportionate burden in relation to that, mm. simply because of the part-time workers lo- losing jobs. Many of the jobs that women do have been, you know, you have to think about retail, for example, it's, it's been devastated. Hospitality has been devastated uh, by COVID. And, um, you know, it's going to take a long time for our economy to, to recover. Interestingly, I think that's led to many women realizing that if they're going to um, help you know, do something to earn money,
0: Mm-hmm. And maybe
2: they need to do it themselves. And so we're seeing a lot more interest, which is is, is great because this is something I feel very passionate about yep. in women starting their own businesses. And the uh, services that my foundation provide to women in low and middle income countries uh, for that, um, you know, we've seen a huge uptake in, in demand for what we uh, do. But I do also hope that the message from the economy, one other message comes over about the economic impact and that is the value of the care economy, you know, for so long, caring, whether it's of elderly people or children uh, or the disabled, the critical, just the the workers who clean our offices, there's so many of them Mm -hmm. are female. And they're, you know, their jobs are are not well paid, and we often, they, they, they often go unnoticed. And I do hope that this pandemic has illustrated to everybody how, you know, Mm -hmm. important those roles are in our society, and how we actually can't function (laughs) without Mm -hmm. them. Going forward in the future, that we do value those who work in the care sector more, that we do ensure that they have dignity and respect and decent pay at work mm-hmm. and um, you know that yes. they do feel valued.
0: I, I do think the, um, the appreciation of the NHS frontline workers, um, while it stands at the moment, I hope it's not a temporary thing and it will continue to be so as well.
2: Okay. I, I, I so agree and we, we, will, we will need to see how how that balances out. And it goes, I suppose, to the political and legal level because at the moment we've got this huge debate, haven't we, about, you know, are we balancing the economy against the health of the nation, public yes. health with uh, human, so, public health, human rights with yes. uh, economic uh, imperatives. And I think, hopefully, again, we've realized that, you know, it's not a zero sum game so that you can have all of one. You know, it is actually too, go hand in hand, and um, uh, I hope that we learn uh, that lesson. Of course, at the moment, we've seen that governments, with the consent of people, have been taking even more control over people's lives, and uh, that is, of course, always acceptable when it's to to save lives, Um, but we also have to make sure, as always, that anything that involves human rights, that any restriction on people's rights Are actually proportionate and necessary Mm -hmm. and also that they don't last any longer than they need to Um, and uh, you know there are obviously concerns about that there are also concerns about scrutiny about public spending and you know whether government contracts at the moment are being given out uh, perhaps outside the normal structures for tender and making sure that the public are getting value for money Mm -hmm. Um, and we'll need to make sure that though one has to act quickly in an emergency, that Mm -hmm. it is actually done uh, uh, properly. And then, of course, there are these bigger issues about confidential private health information. How do we protect the vulnerable? I mean, are are we seeing a move uh, towards a better minimum wage? or a better safety net for those out of work. In the UK at the moment, we have a huge... Uh, well, we've had a huge outcry, really, about children from poor families who get free school meals.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, whether it's there about... around that,
2: wasn't there? Yes, absolutely. A big campaign to make sure that they continue to get it during the school <laughs> holidays.
0: Now, this episode I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. It's, it's another early recording. Um, in the life of Heads Talk. This is with Vikas Kumar. Um, When this episode was was recorded, he was the the global head of technology um, platforms, uh, sales and channels at at, um, Cognizant. Um, He's now since been the chief revenue officer of a a number of companies to include Marlabs um, and now Fuse Machines. Um, I must have another episode recording with Vikas. He's just such a great guy to talk to, and very interesting to listen to as well. Um, have a listen. I just imagine a, a total change in the way we, we we've done things beforehand in, in in terms of with just imagery and text, and it's it's I think it's quite
1: exciting. I just think oh yes oh yes absolutely uh, it's very exciting uh, if if their shares come out i'm going to put my money in. Absolutely, <laughs> and i'll be second to put my money on it as well <laughs> absolutely
0: okay let, let's get back to data let's get back to data um but this time with customer experience it, it, it's not just about having the data understanding the data using the data or what we talked about monetizing the data it's a combination of all of that with the speed in which you use it, surely. How are organizations missing a trick? Can you give us examples of where and how they are failing, where an organization is succeeding in enhancing the customer's experience with their management of the
1: data? That's that's a brilliant question. See, data uh, monetization, we talked about, we talked about uh, the digital trends and digital transformation, but this is, one of the salient things, and I'm glad that you brought this up. This is one of the things which people miss out on Mm -hmm. because what happens is that you might have the applications within the organization. You might have the technology within your organization Mm -hmm. to analyze the data and check the data out and do some insights. But the most important part that you, you asked in in your question, Aline is the speed of data. And I think that's the deal breaker or maker because Traditionally, uh, till you get all the data, analyze it, uh, make some decisions out of it, and give those insights to the person mm-hmm. who is actually front-ending and is the person who is or the, the associate who is going to enhance your customer experience, it might be three to four days' time. Mm. That much time is gone. If you really want good customer experience, then in that case, you need to have data almost in real time. Yes. Yes so thankfully with the, the the advancements in technology with this with the compute power and storage power all going up storage becoming cheaper and computation getting like fabricated out and decentralized this is totally possible now you can have hyper personalization which is very important everyone wants to to be talked about right so if you if i start talking about you or you start talking about me and we talk about good things things we like and then things which we might suggest you might like, it's a good way of selling. And that's hyper-personalization. You need to make sure your offer is curtailed and customized in the way that your customer likes it. And you need to know their taste, choice, demographics, past buying behaviors, their financial condition, what they might want to buy, what they might not want to buy. Mm -hmm. And this is all data. Now, just imagine if this could be all done in real time. My goodness. If a customer comes into a store and you're trying to sell a mobile phone to them or a cell phone to them, or if you're trying to sell them a car, just imagine if you had all the data about the customer and knew what the customer's choice was, where the customer wanted a family SUV or the customer wanted something which was small and did not have enough money or whether the customer was buying something for his or her daughter or son who was going to college for the first time, or whether the company, customer is trying to buy something which is high end ferraris and mclarens mm-hmm. we don't know right mm-hmm. and that is the piece which helps because you don't want to go and trying to sell a ferrari to a customer who is not financially adequately uh, having enough money to buy that ferrari right so your pitch is wrong your you are wasting your breath of marketing and campaigning on a customer which is not your target audience mm-hmm. And if it becomes real time, you walk in the store and your demographics are known, your tastes are known, then you can hyper-personalize. So I would say, if you really want to enhance your customer experience, you need to lead with the customer incentive, look at the things which the customer wants or sees as a necessity, and then have the humbleness if something goes wrong. because. It's, it's on only channel, only presence as of now. You can buy something online, you might want to come back and return it in the store, or you might return it somewhere else. Right. The idea would be if I have to succeed in customer experiences, if something goes wrong and your data tells that something has gone wrong, how soon can you take yeah. a, a corrective action on it? Like, say, for example, like uh, I would say one and a half, two years back in a major Basketball, baseball game—I will not name the game or the player. One of the player's shoes ripped open, and and that was like a disaster because that was bad brand image for the company, which was a huge shoe manufacturer, one of the top three. Mm-hmm. And it was not good for a player of that stature, right? Mm-hmm. But then they immediately corrected it. They made sure that the the situation is resolved, is totally addressed, and they went back and corrected everything on on that particular brand of the player's apparel that they were talking about. So instead of losing out a billion dollars, on the first day, they lost a billion dollars. But instead of losing out, in seven days' time, they were able to reverse that trend and make $2.5 billion extra on top just because of that mistake that had happened. So mistakes happen. We are all human. The idea is, if a mistake happens, do you recognize it? Do you take action on it? And the most important thing which helps you do this is your data. If your data does not inform you, a CXO in a company would not know what is happening until he has or she has the data to take an action on. So the speed at which you use the data to do analytics and to make decisions is very, very important. And uh, I would say that's a a great point which each and every organization should look at. So so great question. Yes, so uh, I
0: suppose it's like, the customer have a short memory on faults depending on how you rectify it but they will have a long memory on how you rectify it pretty much so yes
1: let's... yes everyone remembers how you treated them yes yes,
0: yes indeed yes okay and um, yes let's move on to the next question but answer that briefly because the question after that i want you to spend a bit of time with them so um, the next question is about virtual meeting providers such as zoom microsoft teams etc um, how are these providers of virtual working and communication services, expanding and enhancing their service offering to meet the needs of corporations, such that, for example, these corporations feel there is minuscule difference between the virtual and the old physical gatherings. What improvements have been made in the last year, do you think? And what do you see happening in this space in say three to five years?
1: Oh yes, that's, that's one thing I that That has been a a life saver for all of us, I would say. Yes, indeed. If this advancement did not happen, we would have all been crippled, right? (laughs) Uh, But but I would say, uh, in the last year or so, huge advancements, huge Mm. advancements. Mm. Uh, We work with almost all of the top blood. Platforms and providers, right? Zoom, Teams, WebEx, and many others, right? Google and many others. Now the point is each and every one of them are trying to ensure that they have as much uh, normalcy or uh, the minimum gap which is possible between a virtual and a physical gathering. But all of us know that's not entirely possible. The the, the aura of when you're sitting in a boardroom. And you see you walking in is different. That can't be captured by Zoom or Slack or by by Teams or by WebEx, right? Or any of the providers, right? Or any virtual meeting providers. It cannot be captured. Uh, The way in which someone talks, the expressions, when you are sitting in a boardroom or in a meeting room and talking to 20 people, their body language. However, the virtual providers or the meeting providers have enhanced it. So now you can have more than 20, 25, 30, sometimes 50 or 100 participants, and you can see a video feed of each one of them. Mm -hmm. And and the way in which, if you really set it up well, the person who is speaking comes on, and you know what is the facial expression. What you lack at that point of time is what is the reaction of other people Mm. on the points that the person is making, right? So you can go back to the overall view where you see everything. So it doesn't give you the exact, uh, I would say, observation points that a physical meeting would give, but there have been advancements. And I would say at least it provides 80 to 90 percent of the necessity uh, that we need to keep working and uh, keep Mm -hmm. surviving during these pandemic times when we can't meet in person. It doesn't. Uh, when when we go back, also say for example post COVID, I would see if we'll still see a lot of uses because if there are people who had to travel just for the sake of traveling and being in person, yes, they might not have to do so because they can still use these virtual forums. Now, I would suggest still that if there is a person whom you have never met and it is the first time you are meeting, then a physical uh, interaction creates the bond right it creates yeah. that that familiarity that that trust that uh, rapport mm-hmm. however if you have met a person already right uh, i don't see any need to actually go physically in the meeting because you know the person you know mm-hmm. him or her and they know you and the trust has already been formed mm-hmm. so most of the meetings can be done over a, a, a virtual forum a, a virtual meeting provider mm-hmm. and, and that saves a lot of time money brings in efficiencies it will become totally integrated so there is a lot of advancements which is happening in in again uh, the the contact lenses technology that is one of the areas that i was uh, seeing one of our clients do. Uh, so mm-hmm. in contact lens technology you you will have the power to blink and change setups you will have maybe a glass or a spectacle which you're wearing on your eyes which can be used to regulate your meetings you already have integrated alexa and earphones or series with which you can coordinate meetings so in five years time uh, it would be like okay it's it's normal you might be golfing out there while actually taking a meeting or you might be driving and the meeting is still happening and you don't have any distractions because there will be driverless cars and autonomous driving cars right so uh, with these uh, virtual uh, meeting providers coming into picture i would say the future is going to be very very different you might see something like a sci-fi movie in 10 years time but Mm -hmm. but I am really appreciative of what these virtual meeting providers has done for us, right? In the last one year, yeah. they have been a life saver. It's,
0: it's been an absolute lifesaver, and, yes. and maybe because I don't know, I've got a wild imagination, but I almost sort of imagine that if you have a meeting, for instance, you have a meeting with 12 people and you can't physically be present, there'll almost be a, a virtual avatar created, you know, like with the Oculus that you can have, have you'll have a virtual meeting room and you'll be there. As And, and if someone is talking, you don't have necessarily concentrated there you can look around or your avatar can look around and you can somehow see the expressions i don't know uh, oh uh, yes
1: oh yes, yes I, you're and right. it's yeah i did not touch upon that you are right with the advancements in ar vr technology you can yes. wear glasses and then you can be virtually there your yes. avatar can be created and people can see you in person uh, live yes. right actually yes. uh, and that's a big one right because just imagine the events which used to happen for large corporations mm-hmm. right for example aws reinvent or google yeah. next or microsoft ignite inspire sapphire all those large events, right, people are not able to go and see people in person. But if the avatar is there and you can play it in your living room in 10 years time, and it all becomes like what we used to see in Star Trek or, or Matrix, right, That, that that's, that's the future, and that will happen.
0: I, so we imagine, as you mentioned, you'd be sitting, Vic um, in your driverless car, and you'd be having a meeting with someone that's in London, and you'd be sitting in the room talking with them, you know, in your, app
1: or, in your avatar VR space, and I just think that's what's going to happen. I really do believe that going to happen in that sense yes they will be sitting next right next to their, their hologram yes. will be sitting next to me in my passenger seat yes. and i'll be sitting in next to them in their passenger seat exactly. in london that, exactly. is, that is awesome that's such a fantastic I think, I think if anybody comes up with that you and i will be buying shares in that won't we again <laughs> <laughs> i've already invested heavily in that area i will invest more <laughs> right okay let's end let's end with this question
0: and but it's, a, it's a very serious question. Well, let's end on it, and I want to talk about AI and the. Let's face it, the obsolescence of the the human role with the advent of AI. It was a classic example that you you actually gave Vic, um, with a doctor viewing data on a specific issue with a patient. He or she will have probably seen um, a couple thousand examples of this in their lifetime and use their knowledge to provide a diagnosis. Good, right? But AI, on the other hand, will have A couple million examples of this at its disposal in order to provide a diagnosis. Let's be frank here, how does a human compete with that? It's impossible. How are you ensuring that human intervention remains relevant and important? Who will benefit the most from this? What say you Vic?
1: Oh this is this is a subject which I am so much in passion with. This is this is the future right.
0: Now that concludes this episode of the Look Back series. I Hope you enjoyed these snippets and do check out the full original episodes in the show notes. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Headstalk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elaineprinkle.com forward slash headstalk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests and you. For helping to make the show possible please join me next time where i'll be featuring more executives c-suite leaders and heads of international
1: heads talk podcast with your host elaine pringle schwitter